glad to see you here. We got a lot to cover today, a whole bunch to cover. So we're going to get started on this last installment on the InstaFam series. Learn about marriage, learn about kids, learn about conflict. And today, we've entitled this message today, Welcome Home, which simply means there's a place we're headed to that's different than the place we are. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that we got a better place than what's going on right here, right now? You know, the, the initial plan of God was to create man and woman in his image, in his character, after his likeness, and then ultimately to have a family. And that family also be in that same image and following God. And we know that mankind fell. They made a mistake. They sinned against God. They were disobedient. And God had to initiate another plan. And that plan was, was, was Jesus was going to redeem us. Now, understand this, that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, it starts the new plan of God. We crashed the old one. God was, was, he was just like, it's almost like, well, he knows everything, doesn't he? And he was not caught off guard. And so he created this new plan, redemption in Christ. And then we follow that. Our goal is to be redeemed and to have families who are redeemed. That's the whole goal of everything. We got to make money. We got to do certain things. We go on vacation. We have fun. We watch football game, all those things. But ultimately, it's that we deposit an entire family in heaven where Jesus is right now. So uh, in the meantime, though, we've got this destination. We've got this journey that we have to go through uh, called earth. And we have to walk through it. And we need the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to share with you about the, the Holy Spirit, his power and how he operates. But today, we want to talk about the obstacles and some challenges that we have. Every one of you in this room, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, you're going to find yourself in these obstacles with hurdles you have to jump in this world. Now, uh, Jesus is our king. He's our guide. And he is the one who prayed in John chapter 17, what we call the high priest prayer, where he kind of blanketed a, a, a bunch of wonderful things. But in the 15th verse of that 17th chapter, he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. He's praying to the Father. He's praying about believers. He's praying about those with him right then, but all those that would come. He said, but I want you to keep them safe from the evil one. Isn't it amazing that he said the evil one? They do not belong to this world any more than I do. So he's talking about this world. And then John, who is, is sitting there with Jesus, hearing this, later on after Jesus dies, resurrects and ascends into heaven, and after John is leading part of the church, he writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, he says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. So now, if it's this important that if we love the world, the love of the Father isn't in us, we need to know what that means, the world. And so the world, it's a Greek word, uh, cosmos, K-O-M-O-S, K-O-S-M-O-S, cosmos, which means this. Now, now, now don't, I, I think we're going to put this something on the board. Yeah, it, it is the present condition of human affairs in alienation from and opposition to God. So when we say the world, we're not talking about the planet Earth that kind of thing. We're not talking about that. We're not really talking about people necessarily, but we're talking about the, the condition of human affairs or the atmosphere that we live in that, that uh, alienates, uh, it, it's, it, it brings a, a separation between them and God. And we live, in a, we live in a nasty world. You know that? John said it's a wicked world. He said everything in it is wicked. And uh, Peter said we live in a perverse generation. So look, get that right. All right, so if you're loving the world, if you're kissing up on the world, you might have a problem with Jesus. You might have to work that out. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, 
kind of starts to set this thing in motion. He says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. That's what the church is. We're temporarily here and we're foreigners to keep away from worldly, there's that cosmos, worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So there's a plan going on here. It's not just going to church, folks. This is, there's a plan that God is using the church, and we're kind of walking through this, this world just a little at a time. We're walking through it. Now, James says it this way in chapter 4, verse 7. He says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We're going to get a little bit more into that at the end of this message. So the Christian family especially the leadership of the family, is, is charged. We're charged with the task of navigating our families through a hostile environment in order to go home. Isn't that great? And that, that's a tall order, folks. That just doesn't happen by letting things happen. If you let things happen, just let them happen, guess what's going to happen? Things are going to happen if you just let them happen. Sometimes they just happen, but sometimes you need to take... Uh, a plan in action and see something take place. Now, when we talk about hostile territory, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, he continues, he says, Dear children, the last hour is here. It's a long hour, by the way, but it's here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming. And the Bible tells that, and he will come sooner or later. And already, but, but this is where John kind of flips it on us. He says, but already... Many such antichrists or opponents of Christ, that's what the word antichrist means, opponents of Christ have appeared. For this we know that the last hour has come. I want to pray with you right now. Father, I'm believing that, God, our eyes will be completely open today on this subject of the opponent of our soul. Father, I pray that, God, we would not look to men. Not, not, God, that we would see past just people in the world. But God, we see your great plan, your great power. And God, that you would reveal to us obstacles that we can bypass and hurdles that we can jump over. We believe you're going to do that by your power, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. When we talk about hostile territory and opponents, I want to give you some attributes of your opponent, the devil. Jesus said that we would be kept from the evil one. Now, if, if your idea of the devil is some kind of pointy-eared, big-tooth, slew-footed type, half-animal, half-man, really weird thing, uh, I, I want to tell you that that's not exactly what the devil's going to look like. The Bible says he'll come as an angel of light. And so he comes in different uh, ways, and he has different attributes, and I'm just going to list them very rapidly. He's a deceiver. He deceived Eve. He deceived Adam in the beginning. He's a liar. Jesus called him the liar and the father of lies. You know what else? He's an accuser. Revelation says he's the accuser of the church. Guess what? He's a perverted one. He's full of perversion. He perverts truth. He turns it upside down. He, per he perverts morality. He is subtle. He's clever in, in, in twisting truth. He's scheming. He's very tactical. He's very deliberate in how he operates. And he's not like just this big, ugly animal thing climbing around the earth. As a matter of fact, Isaiah says when everything is revealed, everybody's going to look at him. They're going to point their finger at him and say, is this the one 
who deceived the nations? Is that what was behind it? So when we look in modern day now, when we try to bring it out of the artistic uh, rendition of what we think the devil looks like and uh, what we have embraced, we need to understand that the devil operates in the modern time. Jesus said that he's the prince of the power of the air of this world. Paul said in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4, 4, that he is the God of this world and he blinds the minds of people lest they should believe the glorious light of the gospel. So there's a blinding power. He's in modern day. And so what systems, what world system, what cosmos systems do we find the evil one operating in that as a family we need to be aware of? All right, first of all, I'm, I'm going to list them in two separate sessions here. First in social systems, and then we're going to talk about religious systems. In social systems, I'm going to break it down to you. First of all, let's talk about education. Now, we have principals in our congregation. We have school teachers in all three of our locations. And so don't take this personal. But the education system at times, it seems, is beginning to take truth and kind of twist it, kind of redefine things. Now, don't get all up on your, your holy horse here, church, okay? But know that they are, I'm, I'm not saying this so that we can shout and scream at the education system, but what I'm saying is that we need to know how to navigate our families through these types of systems. You need to understand, parents, I'm charging you to get involved in your children's education. I'll tell you, it's not, just you, it's not just the student and the teacher, it's the parents. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a trinity that works together. And parents, you are ultimately responsible for the education of your children, not the school teacher or the superintendent of education, and surely not the federal government. You are the ones who are responsible. You should be reading the same books your children are reading. You should know their lessons, especially in social studies and things of this nature. You should know those things. You are responsible for that. So if you're going to holler at somebody, holler at yourself first. Go in the mirror and say, you have shirked your responsibility for teaching your children properly. And then if you have to, then you may be able to go talk to the teacher after the Jesus gets finished with you on that. So the education system are warped at times and places, and then we're all trying to find truth. The second thing is government. Now, boy, we could get on a bandwagon and some of you would take the American flag and run all over and maybe even some of you would want to burn it outside. I don't know. But I want to tell you right now, the United States government, with all of its problems and upsets, is still the best government in the world, no doubt. And if, if you have a problem with that, if you think, oh, it's the worst, then try, try getting yourself involved in a little bit of a, a Sharia law or live underneath a dictator. This past Thursday, a U.S., a retired U.S., officer in Afghanistan, Dan Quinn, stated some facts about what he was involved in concerning the, the law of these other nations. And he said there was an Afghan officer who uh, was involved in all kinds of sexual activity. And one thing he did, he raped a 14-year-old girl. And when, when he was caught, he was brought before the tribunal. He was slapped on the wrist one day in jail. And, uh, and then she, the, the rape victim, was said she had two alternatives. One, she could marry her rapist. Or two, she could commit suicide because she is no longer a virgin. Now, folks, how many of you believe that America's got a pretty good government? What, what would you like? Or how about a dictator? Somebody can just do what they want, when they want, without any questions asked. I choose American government. With all of its problems, I'll say, give it to me, Lord. But I want to tell you something right now. In that, 
The U.S. government has overstepped its boundaries in many, many avenues. Uh, and, you know, I feel frustrated sometimes, as some of you do, about what's happening. I mean, we have legalized certain actions <clears throat> that are outright contrary to the law of God. It's so glaring that, that it's amazing. I mean, our highest court in the land has redefined marriage. They just, they've redefined it. Now you say, well, they haven't. Well, I'm telling you, they have. I'm telling you, they have redefined marriage. Not only that, they have, re, they, they have our highest court has approved the destruction of over 50 million babies. They have approved that. Now, I'm not trying to fire you up to be a, you know, uh, to overthrow the government, but I'm telling you that we need to see the world system. Who do you think is fueling this system of annihilating babies, of changing the pattern of God? And, and, and it's not finished yet, folks. You'll see other laws. I tell you, the old people are getting tired of us. They're getting tired of taking care of a bunch of old people. The government's getting tired of it. They're going to work through many systems. And we'll see this come to pass. Our government funds practices with taxpayer dollars that are astonishing. That's our government. Doesn't sound like God is running that, that aspect of it. It doesn't seem. Now, it's not a political speech. So all of you who are real political and waving your political sign, I'm not being political. This is about morality. It's not about politics. All right? And, and so the government, it's going wickedly wackedly. Why? Because it's in the world system. It's part of the cosmos. And then there's media. Well, media is amazing. The power of media is, is astonishing. I mean, you know, you know, there's over 120 million YouTube videos flying around right now. Not only that, there's countless numbers. There's hundreds of thousands of movies that have been made. Some of them are great. By the way, there's some YouTube videos I watch and movies I watch that inspire me, that make me a better person, that make me a better preacher, that make me a better pastor. So I'm not, you know, it's not like shame on all media in the world. Boo, media. Let's all just crash our iPhones, you know, with a hammer. <laughs> it's not what we're talking about. But I'm telling you, there's great power in the media. Great power. The, the news, it's slanted. It's slanted on both sides. Folks, you watch Fox News, they're slanted this way. You watch the CNN, they're slanted this way. And then you got a bunch of, it's no longer news, it's entertainment. It's not news. News is there was a wreck on Highway 90 today. Two cars hit together. Not opinionated entertainment. And then there's the internet. We're talking about media. The internet is amazing. I don't even know how many internet sites they have, but it's astonishing. I love the internet. I think it's fantastic. I think it's one of the greatest things that was ever invented, but I do not believe everything that's on the internet as truth. And I'm so, it's so funny to see people believe everything. They, they read it one time, they post, you believe this is going, especially when it has something to do with systems. <laughs> believe this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard that nine years ago. It was found out to be a hoax a long time ago. Get off of your hobby horse. Okay? False information. It can be used for such great things, but it's used for such detrimental things. Who do you think is behind the pornography industry? Every time something new in media takes place, pornography industry is the first one to get in on it. It's amazing what is going on. I was talking to somebody who works in the jails. and I had to ask this question to all the inmates that they were working with. I said, ask the man how many men, how many of those men in India, how many of you have been involved deeply in pornography? Nearly 100%, I mean 99.9% .9 said yes. 
Pornography tears you up. It, 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 it promises you a lot. It gives you nothing. Matter of fact, it takes from you. It comes over. It's all about media. And then there's sports icons. And I'm just hitting, I'm just hitting the, the peaks because I got something I want to preach in a little while. <laughs> sports icons. There are many, many great role models, but there's so many young men who are skipping college, going into sports. Somebody's laying $20 million in their lap. They can't handle it. They have no character to support their gift. And we're pointing our kids at them and say, be like him. I want to be like him. You might want to throw a ball like him, but you don't want to treat your wife like him. You understand that these are the things that we, as parents, I'm talking to parents and families, we need to navigate our kids through these things. I'm not saying turn off your TV and don't watch sports. But I'm saying that you need to set it straight, man. When the man's private life has fallen to pieces and he's got immorality riddling his life, that should be also brought to the table when we discuss how great it is to be an NBA player. Does that make sense? I want my boy to throw a good baseball, but I want my boy's feet to be at the altar of God in heaven one day. Come on, isn't that right? Now, now watch this. That brings me to the religious systems. There are religious systems today that are everywhere. They've always been. It's nothing new. But we need to navigate through these old systems. That, and that, that, that's systems that, that have a form of godliness, but they do not have the power of God within them. The Holy Spirit is the power of God on the earth today. And any system that is void of the Holy Spirit, no matter how holy it seems... You can put on a red robe with a beanie cap. You can, put, you can shave your head with a little ponytail sticking out the side. You can climb a mountain in, 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 in Buddhist mountain somewhere in Asia. You can do all these things, but if there's no power of the Spirit of God in there, then it is a useless religious system. It promises a lot, but it produces nothing. It's a false. It's a perversion of the truth. Now, don't be going over there and just screaming at all kind of religious people you think you know. Because it is God who tests the heart. It is God who tests the heart and knows the heart of every individual. I'm not preaching this to you for you to go out in the community and just shake your finger at everybody. I'm teaching you this so you navigate your children through these treacherous waters of humanism and socialism and secularism that you're able to present them blameless before the throne of God. That's why we're preaching this. So these religious systems, you know, uh, oh man, uh, people tell me all kinds of things and I, I think, wow, you know what? We're all searching for the truth and no one has all the truth. I don't know about you, but I don't have all the truth. I don't understand everything about God, but I will say this. I don't understand everything in the Bible, but I understand morality and truth. And when that is alive, the Bible is very easy to understand. It's not hard to understand morality and truth when you seek the Bible. We sometimes want to go past that. We want to, we want to see something that maybe God never intended for us to see. I think there's compromised truth in these, in these systems. They're half-truths, part of the truth, kind of the truth. They're also some of them that are outright you know, hostile to the real truth. They're hostile to Jesus. They're hostile to humanity. They're hostile to morality. The Muslim law, as some interpret it, it's so ungodly that it, 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 it's almost like, forget it, it's off base. We're not even going to go there. See how quiet it gets. You know why? Because Muslim has become a political issue instead of a warfare issue. You can't bomb the devil with a smart bomb. You have to expose the devil with light and truth and walk in it. 
Teach your children to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit with discernment, and they will discern the times in which they live in. And when they get to be 17 or 18, they won't run with the crowd that does crazy things. You understand? It's, it's not that complicated, okay? A dark room, when light is introduced, you can navigate it real well. A dark world, when light is introduced, you can navigate it real well. A family, when light is introduced by the leader of the family, whether it's Momo, Papa, Mama, Daddy, whoever, a mixture of everybody, when light is brought on the subject, navigation is much easier. So let's talk about navigating the journey now. James chapter 4, verse 7 says very simply, Submit, obey, put yourself under God. Then resist the devil and he will flee. Try to resist the devil without submitting to God. He's a formidable enemy that knows you probably better than you know yourself. So you submit to God. And, and so, so I'm going to put myself under God. All right, God, what does that mean? Okay, I see you, God. I'm, you're, you're, you're up here. I'm down here. Okay, I'm, I'm submitted. That's not at all what it's talking about. You have to submit your minds to God. You have to submit yourself. And your minds have to be renewed, folks. Watch in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, or hello church, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, cosmos, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think and then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So each person is responsible to have their mind renewed. When your mind is renewed, you receive the mind of Christ. It's like he washes out the old and he brings in the new. You quit thinking as much about yourself and the way humans think, and you start thinking about the way God thinks. You start looking at things the way God looks at things, and he has a different vantage point, and he sees things differently than just our human mind. We get all mixed up unless our mind is renewed. You see, this, every person is responsible for the way they think. And when a, when a, a problem arises, when a person who doesn't think correctly thinks they think correctly. Think about that. How about we take a little time this week and think for a moment. Have an original thought. Don't just regurgitate something you heard on the internet. Have an original thought that comes from God. It's an amazing lifestyle oh, when you do that. Your worldview, your view of the cosmos is determined by what influence you subject yourself to. If you subject yourself to the political rhetoric and the ranting of Facebook and CNN and, and, and uh, HLN and all of these different places, if that's all you have coming inside of you, then you're going to be one ugly person. I mean, you can just, every time you open your mouth, you're like, <laughs> But when you submit yourself to God and you get your mind washed with the things of God, all of a sudden priorities begin to be rearranged in your life. Your thinking patterns become much more clear and they become much more simplistic. The cosmos is complicated. The kingdom is simplistic. That's why you have faith like a little child. You come to God like a little child. Those are the ones who receive the kingdom of God. You have to submit your mind. You also have to submit your lifestyle. 1 Peter 2.12, we just read it. We're going to read it again. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, ev then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. And they're going to give honor to God on the day that he judges the world. 
He's going to judge the world. We want to be honorable before him, so we have to submit our lifestyle to him. We have to have a God-honoring lifestyle. There's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle that when people look at it, they say, that guy honors God. It's not a perfected lifestyle, but it's a lifestyle that honors God, and that's what he's looking for. It's a transformed life. The changes are evident in a Christian. The, 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 on the job, the Christian should, should stand up, not because he rants against things, but because he has an honoring lifestyle towards God. He is in control, self-control. He loves fruit of the Spirit. He has peace in his life. These are the things that happen. A holy life, high moral standards that are lived out in a very simplistic way. He's a church family person. Can I say this about church people? I'm talking about members, not attenders. Now, if you're just starting out, you're checking things out, you could be an attender, but sooner or later, we've got to become a member. And I'm not talking about signing a card for Northwood. I'm talking about being part of a life-giving message and family that, that enhances your honorable living, that always gives you a way to go up, not down. A place where you have friends that are like-minded, Christ's like-minded. A place where your kids can have friends. Come on now, friends. If your kids don't have friends in the church, you're doing something wrong. Come on now. They should have friends and acquaintance, people that they get together with. They should be in the children's ministry. They should be, they should be. They should be, you should be the one that says they should be. I should not be the one that says they should be. You should say, I want my boy to have a friend. I want my girl to have herself a couple of uh, little girlfriends there. Little people, you know, people that I know. I know the parents. I know that, you know, so that we can get together and not fear what might happen. So, so very important that we be people that, that we create a proper life-giving um, message within our family, within the Christian, within the home, that we, that we give uh, to our families as leaders, um, you know, a step up, uh, you know, in life. That we give them a life-giving message. The culture of your home ought to be life-giving. It is life-giving. Come on, Jesus is the king of the home. It's life-giving. When my kids come to my house, they should leave better. When we send our kids off to school, they ought to be empowered. So when they're older and they go on their jobs, they're empowered. They have vision. They're not going to be knocked around by society. They might knock around society a little bit. You know what I'm talking about. And so it's got to be this lifestyle. Then the third thing about navigating. Now, we're submitting to God. We're submitting our minds. We're submitting all these things. We, we've got a submitted lifestyle. But we have to stand for some things and against other things. Now, here's where the church really likes it. Don't tell me what I stand for. Let me tell what I stand against. That's the problem with the church. It's known for what it stands against rather than what it stands for. If what you're against is louder than what you're for, you've got it all wrong. You need to turn it around. It's perverted. Get it straight. Amen. Amen. Standing for. We stand for righteousness. We stand for righteousness. It's the God life for myself first. I'm going to be righteous by the blood of Jesus. Daddy, mama, leaders of families, come on now. We're righteous because we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. We've been saved. We once were lost, but now we're found. We're saved. We stand for truth also. 
We stand for truth. It's obvious, decent, and, and integrity and justice. We stand for that. Justice and truth are the foundations of God's throne. We stand for that. It, 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 I don't see how it can be any other way. I stand for life. That's it, period. Life, all life, from conception to the grave, all life is precious. That makes it so simple, doesn't it? Could try to try to figure it all out, put a mark on this and a value on that. It's all valuable. Truth is all valuable. Tell the truth. You don't have to worry about telling a lie. You'll never get caught in a lie if you, ne- if you always tell the truth. You understand what I'm talking about here? You'll never get caught going out on your wife if you don't go out on your wife. How simple is that? Truth. And then there are things that are going to be revealed to you as you walk with God. Things are revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that next week. That you walk in. Once the Lord reveals it to you, you walk in it. Know this, people, that not all people have the same level of revelation about God and the Word of God. So if you're high on the mountain, if you've been climbing it for a long time, don't look down on people except to tell them, come on up. Never spit down a mountain. Then there's what we stand against. We have to stand against plotting and scheming of the devil. You say, well, man, how do we do that? Do I need to get a... Do I need to get a platform? Yeah, I'm going to give you a platform. First thing, you stand in an attitude of prayer. You stand in an attitude of prayer. First Timothy 2.1 says, I urge you, first of all, that's what he said, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. So first of all, the attitude of prayer is, you know, you know, rather than get on your feet and march, first of all, you get on your knees and you pray. You pray, I, Lord, I don't understand everything. Lord, I don't understand the government. I don't understand why they did this. But Lord, I'm praying for them. He didn't say pray for the good government. He said pray for the government. I don't agree with a lot of things, but I don't have to express that I don't agree with a lot of things. If I did that, that's all I would say all day long. I don't agree with that speed limit. I don't agree with that red light. Why did they put that stop sign there? I can't believe they're not paving this road. Why, did they, why don't they put the sewer down there? Why don't they do that? What, what, why, why, what, 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 why that law? Why that law? Who's running for president? Why do you got that? What's it going to do? Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. That's it. See how simple it is? In everything, By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the God of peace and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Thank you, Jesus, that you go past this nut thing right here. Will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The attitude of prayer, you stand in that attitude of prayer. Communion with God will reassure us of his love and his protection, folks. Through prayer, you will receive boldness and courage to take proper stands. You see, in America, we, we are so proud and boastful. But you go in lands that are underneath communist rule and, and, and dictatorship. You're not going to get on Facebook and start uh, talking about the president of that company. They go hide and pray. You see... We live in too much by an American gospel. We need to live by complete world gospel. How it affects people in China and Cambodia 
India and places like that and then merge it together and say this is the true structure of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, it is that we, 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 we fight in the spirit. We, we, we pray for those who are blinded by the God of this world. Ephesians 6 says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we, we, we fight against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world. We're fighting against those things. We're fighting against these heavenly uh, uh, powers in heavenly places, these spiritual powers. We fight against them. And we should stand against them in prayer. You cannot fight a spiritual enemy with a physical weapon. It will not happen. You can try it all day long. It will not happen. And some things that we think are enemies is God actually letting things happen in order for him to bring about his eternal plan. And that takes ex uh, an extreme amount of wisdom and discernment to know the difference. Now, we have to stand with the heart, move to action. And this is a touchy place here because we should stand, but we should know how to stand. Sometimes I'm embarrassed how people stand. They make the church look so foolish and so archaic and so out of touch with reality. But then again, on the other side of the coin, we are different than the world. We will act different. We will react different. We will stand differently. Just don't make an enemy unless you have to. And don't think you know it all because this is a complex world we live in. And so we stand simply put, there's a right way and a wrong way to stand. In taking action, we should be light and represent Jesus in the proper light. You cannot fight hostility with hostility. What other plan do we have if we don't pray and live as light and stand for righteousness? The only other plan is get guns and revolt against the nation. Is that what you want? Would that be God's way that we revolt against the nation? No, I don't think that's the way that God would want us. We make a stand. We take action. We hear from God. We, we, we understand when. And I can tell you the best way to make a stand, folks, because you know what? None of us are on a national platform, not even me. But I can tell you one thing. You're on a platform. You're on a platform in your family, your extended family, your workforce. You're on a platform there. All of your social surroundings, you're on a platform. At the soccer game, at the ball game, you're on a platform. You're on a platform in your home in those, in those discussions that you can have where you project Christ and his mind and how he acts without getting upset. You understand? And starting a big ruckus up in the house there. What fun is that? At Momo's birthday party, you're going to bring a political agenda and blow it all up. And all she wanted was a piece of cake. You understand? And then you stand at times, stand at times, you take actions. I'm not going to get into specific actions. That's, that's too dangerous, you know. But I'm going to say this, that sometimes we stand by confronting. Other times we stand by withdrawing. Here it is. 2 Corinthians 7, 1, and I'm about ready to finish this up because we have these promises. And the promises are that if we, will, if we will withdraw from certain people and activities and places, that God will bless us and we will be his children and he will be our God. He said, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. Yes. So you see, we cleanse ourselves. Light, the, the, the brighter it is, the better it shines, the more it exposes 
So you, you have to withdraw yourself sometimes. If you're going to navigate this properly and your family needs to follow this and you need to teach how to do it, you need to withdraw yourself from any counterproductive relationships. I mean, listen to me. If you're going out with a dude that's leading you to hell, leave him. Come on now. Let me just put it simple. Man, if you're hanging around with thugs and people that are breaking the law, get away from them. I mean, it's so simple, folks. I mean, parents, if you see your kids hanging around with guys that are doing dope and things, like that, get them away from there. Get them away. Be their influence. Pray for them. Break through in the spirit and lead your people in righteousness. This is what you have to do. This is the mandate of the family that's going to navigate this system properly and come out on the other end with their toes pressed up against the throne of God. Because that's what we're fighting for. You can curse the TV all day long and fuss about it. Just turn it off, Jack. Just turn it off, man. Just press the off button and go read a book or play in the backyard. I don't know. TV's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And that's all there is to it. While we fight against that, it's going to get worse. Jesus didn't even watch TV. <laughs> See how we get everything screwed up? We just <laughs> Jesus didn't even have the inner's net. If social media is causing a problem with your family, then get rid of it. Now, let me say this, pastor, to the, to the families. Let me, let me just say this to you. For God's sake, quit giving your little kids phones with internet connections. Simple. What's up? What's up? What do you think that teenage boy is going to look at? Same thing you looked at. Oh, that's for the man's meeting. I'm sorry. I'll be for man up. <laughs> you withdraw. There's a time to stand. Ecclesiastes said there's a time for everything. There's a time to make war. There's a time for peace. There's a time to stand, folks. And there's a time to withdraw. But I can tell you where there's always a time for. There's always a time for drawing near to Jesus. Let's bow our heads together right now. Just sitting right here. Oh, we just downloaded just a truckload of information and inspiration. You have to navigate through those things. Sitting here in the church, you church families, man, just meditate on this. Have you been a friend to the world? Have you been embracing too much of what this system that's contrary to God is offering? If so, you know what to do. Come on, church. You know what to do. You need to repent. You need to get your mind washed. You need to get your priorities straight. And you need to do that as you commune with God. The Holy Spirit will light, lead you and he'll guide you and empower you in these areas. Lead your family. Don't give up. Come on, Father, in the name of Jesus, would you teach the families not to give up, not to give in, God, but not to be ugly and mean and life-taking, but to be life-giving. God, give us wisdom to draw the line between when to stand and when to withdraw. God, give your church that wisdom as they seek you, God, to the degree that one seeks you, Lord, when you pour out your wisdom to them. Now, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed and people are praying around this place, there's a place where some of you need to make a stand right now for Jesus. You've been ashamed, embarrassed, or maybe you just feel like there's no way that you ever could live for God, but you're on a chair in a church service and something is changing in your heart right now. God has been touching you since the very beginning of this service. And now you have a desire to live for him. 
For those of you who maybe have never, ever asked God to come into your life to change you, or maybe you did one day when you were real young, but it hasn't really, really been real in your life, but you say, today I need Jesus, and I want a relationship with Him. I'm going to pray for you right where you are, and this is what I'm going to ask you, one thing. I'm going to be the only one looking, but I just want to ask you, if that's you, if you're in that chair and say, that's what I want, I want a relationship with God, I want you to shoot your hand up right now. Just shoot it up real quick. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's right. Couples, families, thank you. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? You had not put it up, just shoot it up. Come on, you, you, you're sort of afraid. Just shoot that hand up and say, I'm going to serve God right now. Yes, I am. Thank you. Yes, yes. Come on. This is the time to draw near to Jesus. Come all of us are going to pray this prayer together. We're just helping people for their first time. Somebody did it with me 35 years ago. Let's do it with other people. Let's all pray this prayer together. Just repeat after me. Say, Father in heaven, I thank you for living for me. I thank you for dying for me. And I thank you for rising again for me. I confess that I need you. That I'm separated from you. My sin separated me from you. But Lord, I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me and ask you to change my life. I give you full control of my life right now. And I invite you in as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for saving me today. I will be a new person today because you love me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on. Thank you, folks. Come on, Pastor. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van DeCote, wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.